Maker's Mark Bourbon is aged to taste in Loretto, Kentucky. The Samuels family uses locally grown soft red winter wheat and sources water from a lake on the distillery's campus. Every Maker's Mark label is printed and die cut by hand on an antique press, and each bottle is hand dipped in their signature red wax. All the details matter when distilling quality bourbon. Since Maker's Mark sold its first case of bourbon to the Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, they have perfected the craft of distilling American whiskey. For their dedication to making great bourbon and for their support of the Southern Foodways Alliance, we thank them. Maker's Mark crafts their bourbon carefully. Please enjoy it that way. Here's a passkey to being the most popular guest at the next dinner party. Listen to this episode of Gravy and then talk to people about it. Layla's in Little Rock has Arkansans falling in love with Syrian and Arab American cuisine, with falafel, with goat plates, with gyro calzones. Today we meet the Syrian family at the center of Layla's. I'm John C. Edge. I'm Melissa Hall. We're your hosts for Gravy. 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 Kayla Stewart, lead the way. Little Rock. In Little Rock, Arkansas, the dining scene is filled with restaurants that probably represent what most people think of the South. But I found that in Arkansas State Capitol, one of the most popular restaurants was immigrant-owned. Yes, ma'am. The order is going to be chicken sandwich, hummus, gyro salad. What's the name, ma'am? Miss Connie, give me 25 minutes. She'd be ready. Thank you so much for calling. Let's on right me being I met Momin Humwe on a cold winter day at a restaurant on Little Rock, Arkansas's North Rodney Parm Road. My name is Momin Humwe. I'm born 1966, June 4th. Momin is a sweet guy. He's lived in Little Rock for over 30 years. He's a husband to his American wife, Amy, and father to two kids, Layla and Adnan, and runs his own business. Momin's also Syrian-American. His business, Layla's Giros and Pizzeria, is one of the most popular and respected restaurants in the city. We have the hummus, which is in-house made with garbanzo beans. And we have the baba ganoush with eggplant that is roasted in the oven. And we have the tzatziki sauce where we have make it inside the in-house made. We have almost 24 different recipes and everything we made, uh, make to order. So when the customer comes, everything's gotta be fresh. Creamy hummus, tangy tahini, and wafts of Aleppo pepper, mint, and za'atar greet just about every guest in town. But when I decided to eat at Layla's, I was greeted with something a little bit different, too. The pizza that I prepared for you was simple, just pepperoni and gyro. But when you put to it the tzatziki sauce, it makes it really great pizza. Momin made me a gyro pizza, his version of Syrian-American brilliance. He also makes an amazing shawarma calzone and other delightful Syrian-American hybrid meals for customers. It's part of what makes Layla's so beloved. If we're going to make 100% authentic Syrian food, it will be hard for the local to accommodate to it. When you bring a dish from authentic, you have to do some kind of modification to please the locals. A childhood recipe for falafel requires cilantro, which Momin exchanges for parsley. He adds olive oil and salt to roast the eggplant for his baba ganoush, soaking up the plant's bitterness and heightening its sweetness. 
Moman is a businessman at heart, so pleasing the locals is indeed pretty important. But he's also a proud Syrian. He studied what Americans like and how that can merge with the dishes he knew and loved back home, like hummus. I notice a lot of people, when you go to any restaurant, they use forks and knife and spoon with their, hand, with their meal. When they come over here, I provide hummus with a pita bread. A lot of people, they eat it with bare hand. They eat it from the same plate. I can provide extra plate if they ask, but a lot of people, they learn that I'm going to eat it with my bare hand, and I have no problem with it. What Momin's doing may seem like the typical process of running a business, but he's actually doing something that's become very prevalent in the Arab-American community. He's creating a hybrid cuisine. This kind of creative hybridity that you begin to see emerging. In other words, they're actually creating something new. That's Akram Hatter, North Carolina State University professor and director of the Center for Lebanese Diaspora Studies at North Carolina State University. The challenge for a lot of immigrants, and again, this is not unique, is how do you fit within the larger society? How you get? How do you, um, you know, join that larger society in a way that allows you to function, to work, to prosper, to build a family, to build a community, while at the same time maintaining a cultural identity that is yours. In other words, how you become American but remain at the same time Arab. I think there was a singular answer, but certainly what becomes very critical to all of them is food. Food, according to Akram, has become critical to Arab-American immigrant identity to the United States and a slow evolution within Arab-American cuisine. They begin to be more willing to push the American palate to test, quote-unquote, more authentic food. That is, they don't tone down the garlic and the hummus. Uh, they introduce za'atar, that spice, that, you know, uh, is used very heavily. Uh, you begin to see that they're willing to, you know, play around with it. But then, at the same time, they're also experimenting with new ideas. So all of a sudden, you have jalapeno hummus. <laughs> you know, that's that's being put on the menu. Uh, and so they're expo- they're, themselves are exposed to new ingredients, new cuisines, and they're playing around with that. Um, and so they're experimenting and creating new hybrid menus. To fully understand just how revolutionary this is, it's important to understand Arab migration to the United States and just how diverse that community is. Uh, the community is very diverse. We're talking about roughly 3 million people in the United States who have ancestry to any of the 22 Arab countries. And for our purposes, yeah, the diversity is very much across nationalities. You know, somebody who's, whose family immigrated from Lebanon has different experiences than someone whose family came from Iraq or Yemen or Morocco. And so we do try to capture some of those varying experiences. That's Matthew Stifler, research and content manager at the Arab American National Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. Matthew helps manage exhibits and educational programming that reflects the diversity and the experiences of the Arab-American community. He also really loves food history. The Arab-American community in the South is as storied and as long in the U.S. as any other area of the country. And in many ways, they're, they're more active than a lot of other areas, um, especially the Syrian-Lebanese community that has been in the South since the late 1800s. Um, A lot of people, when they think of immigration to the United States, they think of Ellis Island in New York City. But in reality, 
people could immigrate to the United States anywhere there was a port or anywhere there was a land crossing. Matthew says that New Orleans welcomed a large group of these early immigrant arrivals. Arab Americans also arrived to the West in Mexico, which led to land crossings and Arab American community development in the Mississippi Delta and in states like Texas, South Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and yes, even Arkansas. It's a really uh, deeply embedded community. They're very active today. There's this entire organization called the Southern Federation of Syrian and Lebanese American Clubs that has been around for over a century. Ahram sees major Arab-American immigration in two waves, the first being before 1923, the year before the United States repealed the Immigration Act, barring immigrants from around the world. And the majority of those folks came what, from what we know today as uh, collectively Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Palestine, Israel, or the Eastern Mediterranean section. The second was in 1965. What you find is that after 1965, with the passing of the Johnson Act, uh, all of a sudden there's a larger wave of people coming from a broader spectrum of Arabic-speaking countries. So you see people coming from Yemen, people coming from Egypt. Uh, later on in the 1980s, you see a wave of people coming from Iraq, especially as Syrians. And then, of course, as we progress, we have uh, you know groups of uh, refugees from Iraq and then groups of refugees from Syria. And there are some coming numbers coming from North Africa. So the spectrum, uh, geographical spectrum from of where people were coming from expands fairly dramatically. Momin, like many Arab immigrant restaurant owners, brings his culture to the American table. In addition to his hybrid dishes, he serves his grandmother's simple lentil soup, a favorite recipe of Momin's that he's kept very close to himself, with kibbeh, a dish of ground beef mixed with broken wheat. The most authentic dish I have is the kibbeh, which is uh, broken wheat that we soak it for five, six hours. Then we grind it with meat and onion. Then we make uh, like a bowls. Then we cook on the side the ground beef and onion and walnuts. And we stuff it and we close it. Then we deep fry it and we serve it with the soup. The lentil soup is very simple soup that my grandma, she always, always have prepared for us when we have that dish. Momin has continued making his grandma's favorites, alongside pizzas, sandwiches, and desserts. On Fridays, he serves a dish called the goat plate, which he describes as an Indian-Pakistani dish. The flavor of it is great. But Momin's a businessman first. His priority is catering to his customers, which, according to Matthew, is fairly standard. I mean, in the 130-plus year history of Arabs owning restaurants in the U.S. Um, the number, I mean, the number one reason you open a restaurant is to make money, right? Uh, it's not an artistic enterprise <laughs> at its foundation. And so you need to be able to serve food that the people in your community are going to eat. And so if you have a community that's completely Arab, you're going to serve different foods. And if your community is has some Arabs, but your main, uh, you know, diners are going to be of all kinds of different American ethnic extractions. So yeah, you're going to you're going to take food that you know how to cook and that you think represents your culture and present it in a way that you think the customers are going to appreciate. Finding his way around running a kitchen in Little Rock is just part of Momin's journey in the United States. Like many of his immigrant peers, he has adapted to life around him and has found a life similar to many Syrian Americans, 
11% of Syrians in the workforce work in service occupations. And though Arab Americans make up less than 3% of Little Rock's population, Arab immigrants can be found in the heart and soul of Little Rock's dining scene. This country gave me chances that even if I live in Syria, I would never have. This country gave me a future that I would never thought I would be. It's, you know, I say it's not just a place to live. It's, it's really home for me. When we come back, we'll learn more about how Momin's background and heritage inform his menu. Are you ready to kick off the summer grilling season? As warm weather brings gatherings outdoors, choose Lodge Cast Iron's full line of grilling products for delicious results and cookware that lasts season over season. The durable and portable kickoff grill is ready for everything from backyard barbecues and game day tailgates to camping trips and family vacations. This charcoal grill has an easy-to-use design with just two pieces of iron and no assembly required. And step up your game with our versatile and expertly crafted grilling accessories. Make delicious smash burgers seared to perfection with the burger press or transform your gas grill and infuse your favorite foods with smoky flavor using the smoker skillet. Lodge has the cast iron you need for every adventure and celebration the summer brings. Learn more at lodgecastiron.com. For Lodge's longtime support of summer cookouts and this gravy podcast, we thank them. To fully understand Momin's willingness to merge American favorites like pizzas and calzones with Syrian spices and culinary traditions, you first got to understand more about Momin. He was born and raised in Damascus, the capital of Syria, and one of the most storied cities in the world. He remembers large dinners and sleepovers with relatives and slicing vegetables with his mother. A lot of the food Momin ate consisted of vegetables, and lots of them. Rice and peas was common. There'd often be meat, maybe lamb or goat. But the main courses were typically vegetables. And of course, there was one other essential side. I mean, in every meal, we have to have the soft pita bread. Syria is one of several countries in the Mediterranean region. These veggie-heavy dishes that Momin grew up with are demonstrative of a region that has borrowed, merged, and reinvented cuisines across country lines. This commingling of cultures has produced a cuisine that's become one of the most cherished in the United States. Levantine cuisine, Levantine being the the area of uh, the Arab region that is mainly Lebanon, Syria, and Palestine. Um, It was that community that was the first to really immigrate and take hold in the U.S., After working in restaurants in Syria to save up money for college, Momin wanted to pursue higher education in the United States. He arrived to the U.S. on March 21, 1988, to study computer science and to begin life in a state called Arkansas. I like the fact is the city was quiet. I like the fact is the people look at you and welcome you. And they try to help in everywhere, everything they could. Momin's arrival to the U.S. diverges from what many know to be the Syrian immigration story. An ongoing civil war that's displaced millions of people around the world since 2011 follows years of instability. However, when Momin was growing up, Damascus was still a city not yet defined by images of war or despair. It was, as he described it, a home he loved. Due to the ongoing civil war, Momin hasn't been able to return home. 
He carries memories of his upbringing in his daily life in the U.S. Momen's merging of Syrian culture hails from what some might call a love affair between the food of his home country and his new life in the United States. Soon after he arrived, his new life included a new love, his co-worker Amy. They were introduced by friends, and soon Momen began cooking for Amy to win her over. He cooked, um, uh, like, rice and peas with meat. That's uh, one of the things that we eat a lot. We used to eat that all the time. He also cooked something called fitai. Amy eventually learned how to cook Syrian dishes on her own. Meanwhile, Momen was trying to get through school. He decided to start working at restaurants again, and he got really good at it. So good that he began thinking that this might be a living for him. Then the opportunity came by was somebody at the river market, which is the place in Little Rock, that he was willing to sell his little pizzeria, and I thought it was a good idea to have my own business. Momen was working full-time as a sales engineer and working at the pizzeria on Saturday. It was grueling work, but a period of time Momen happily reflects on. On Saturdays, I used to work at my pizzeria in downtown Little Rock every Saturday, and I bring my family with me to help me out. It was kind of like family outing, maybe later to do cleaning. My nan used to wander around. It was a beautiful time with two kids and my wife and me working in a small place. I enjoy those days. He was doing traditional things, but also his own. A friend asked him, why not do the real thing? He opened up a full Mediterranean restaurant, and he incorporated what he loved back home into his new business. There's a lot of culture back home, a lot of family, a lot of family insist. A lot, a lot of culture came from the family, and uh, I've tried to bring it here. He also brought his family into it. He named the restaurant after his daughter, who was a toddler at the time. I decided to name it. I asked my wife about it. I said, what should we name it? I said, why didn't you name it your little girl? I said, definitely, there is no doubt about it. Moments new restaurant was, for him, a key signifier that he'd done what he needed to do. He became a stalwart in his community. Though many of the friends who immigrated to the United States around the same decade as Moment had moved, Moments found a new way to make the community his own. He has a mosque he attends, is respected around the city, and was able to send his children to a Muslim religious school. The former computer science major and his family had figured out how to bring and retain their culture in Little Rock. But Momen also had to set the record straight on some things. Though Syrian cuisine has a storied history, most people associate it with the current story of Syria, a story of war and displacement. Momen, who came here by choice, is not the common figure for modern-day Syrians in America. Painful imagery of Syria and conflict and ongoing discussions about how to best support refugees often define Syrian culture in the West. But Momen knows it's a lot more than that. Of course, um, uh, when, when I start open, when I open the restaurant, a lot of people, they have good idea, bad idea, not correct idea, wrong ideas. A lot of people, they come and start asking me about it. And I have to do the correction if I need to. Sadly, these ideas are pervasive across the country. Negative depictions in Hollywood film and media have plagued the Arab-American community for decades. You know, it's often, the experience of Arab-Americans in the U.S. is often not represented at all. If you read 
history textbooks in you know middle school and high school social studies, people of Arab descent are only on one page, and it's the page after 9/11. You know, there's no history of the communities before that. It's like as if they didn't exist, and so it's important to tell the stories because they're not there, but when they are there, they're very one-dimensional or they're very um, you know inaccurate. Food, according to Matthew, has allowed immigrants like Momin to challenge these narratives. So this this fusion of cuisines is very um, important because, again, you're, you're making money as much as you're trying to share your culture. I mean, you come here as an immigrant or, you know, children of immigrants, and you've got your food and maybe you're living in an area where people don't know your food and you see it as a business opportunity. Like, hey, nobody nobody's selling this stuff around here. I could corner the market on you know, kebabs or uh, kibbeh or whatever. And you see it as a as a lucrative business venture. You also see it as a passion to share your culture with the general public, especially in the U.S. in a context where most Americans only hear about Arabs in the context of war or terrorism or, you know, stereotyping in Hollywood movies. Through his food, Momin has been able to establish his own narrative about what it means to be Syrian, to be American, and to carry both at the same time. The local, they found it great. And merely that's what I have to do to be what I'm at right now. I've been in business for 12 years. We are really in good position. We are top restaurant in Little Rock for last since I opened. Moments found his niche, but most importantly, he's found his home. My whole purpose is to provide for my family and continue providing for the community too. And if that make it happen, it's great. Kayla Stewart reported and produced this episode. And we thank her. We also thank Sally Howell in the Arab American National Museum. We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music and Jazar for our donor music. All hail Managing Editor for Gravy and all other SFA media, Sarah Camp Milam, and her colleague, Mary Beth Laster, who serves as our publisher. Visit us at southernfoodways.org to immerse yourself in our Arkansas films and oral histories. And while you're there, we'd be much obliged if you consider becoming a member or making a donation. Your dollars fund our work and help us make more gravy. I'm John T. Edge. And I'm Melissa Hall. Thanks for letting us pour some gravy in your ear.